RC After Hours community. It's time for another podcast. I actually guess we're on a bit of a roll. We've been getting them out. Uh, and this afternoon's uh, guest, the man, uh, the myth, the legend himself, Joshua Orchard. Good afternoon, sir. Actually, Joshua's been wanting to come on the show, and I've been wanting to get him on the show because we've got some um, concurrent concurrent activities, and uh, I guess the timing has worked out just right. So uh, welcome to the series, sir. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we're going to have some fun. We're going to definitely put him in the hot seat, the boiler seat, and we're going to ask him some really good questions because Joshua is... Um, is a man of alternative materials to to our normal crowd. Um, you know, I've seen him do everything from crazy pink foam, uh, wired cut airplanes to some pretty in depth builds. Um, and I, you know, we're gonna have a little bit of free time this summer, so we'll talk about that, and uh, we'll we'll definitely dial into uh, some of the more recent news. But without further ado, welcome on board, sir. Welcome to the show, and um, I guess for all the podcast listeners. Give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do. Uh, sure. Well, first, thanks for having me on, Andre. It's uh, it's really a pleasure. I love uh, talking hobby, love talking shop, and it's it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so my background, um, I guess I got back into the hobby about ten years ago, a little over ten years ago. Uh, flew as a kid, started out on control line, flying the uh, little Cox planes from Toys R Us, uh, little 049 things, and uh, started, you know, hacking things up and, and making little balsa control line models, and then eventually tried to get into RC. Uh, the entry point was really expensive. I come from a family of 11 kids, so uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money for hobby money. Uh, so anything that I did for a hobby was uh, all on my own. And so uh, that's sort of, I guess, where you alluded to I, I, my, my, my dabbling in alternative materials, uh, just because that's all I had access to at the time. Um, so, you know, I've made floats with saran wrap as a kid and all of that stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, from there, I discovered girls and other <laughs> things and started to grow up. Um, got out of the hobby. And, you know, I, and as I got uh, older and I got married and had kids, I kept coming back to wanting to do something not just with my brain in my free time, but doing something with my hands because I found myself going a little stir crazy. So I started getting back into the hobby mostly through uh, doing real flight airplanes. I would make custom real flight airplanes and met some really great guys online doing that and then purchased my first RC airplane coming back into the hobby, which was Park Zone Corsair. Uh, and then I guess the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> so, actually, we'll touch base on that because we're in a bit of a situation right now around the world and everybody's in this, this lockdown pattern and, and, yep, I full-on went stir-crazy and, and needed a release. So I plopped down, I what was it, well, 90, 99 US dollars and I got Real Flight 9. Um, so it was like a yeah. hundred, almost 140 Canadian. <laughs> Um, 
And we we've been flying and haven't we haven't done it this week, but the, you know the weather's actually been nice, so I think all of us have been playing and enjoying. But you know when the weather is not so great, and and you know just that connectivity with everybody, we get onto the chat, we 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 got our headphones, we're all talking and we're all bouncing planes off the tarmac and trying to do hovering in 3D and flying things that are ridiculously big for no good reason. But it's that yeah. neat little thing, and and it was interesting when you started describing some of the the stuff you've been doing, and and the um, we started getting into the physics and the and and some of the more technical aspects of some of these aircraft because you know it's um, stuff doesn't fly the way you think it's going to fly, and especially in three D or not Aww. sorry sorry especially in the simulator. Yeah, the simulator. I mean, it's it's a funny thing because going from version to version, uh, Real Flight has had some changes in their physics setup. Uh, particularly earlier when they went to 4.5 and and they had the change to have water feature, uh, there were a lot of physics changes and like we you could sort of cheat and break the system to like do droppable bombs where you would set uh, the strength of a specific item to be really really low, and then you could drop something from an airplane that way. Now they have the feature where you can actually do droppable bombs. Uh, but yeah, there's th- other things you can change where you go from um, real flight six to real flight seven. And there's some sort of change in the calculation for center of pressure. And so frequently when you import an older plane from real flight six into like real flight seven or eight or nine, then you have to fiddle around with your center of pressure modifier. And that way that gets the plane to fly a little bit better. Uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's the way it goes. You know, they're trying to make the simulator better, and so you end up having to play yeah. with things a little bit more. A little, and it's funny how quickly um, I discovered the the edit features and uh, was automatically like, oh, I, I like this airplane at four hundred percent size. So what was it? The EC fifteen hundred, the E flight EC fifteen hundred <laughs> as a four hundred yeah. size foamy is a wonderful airplane. It was just, I sat there for like a half an hour. And I think one night we played between myself, you were on for a bit, and then the rest of us, uh, uh, um, uh, Lewis and, and Chris and a couple other guys. Yeah. And next thing I know, I've been in, I've been sitting on my butt for four hours flying RC simulators, and we're just giggling away the entire time. And um, yeah. it was when my wife commented. She says, I have not heard you laugh like that in a very long time. And you, you it's kind of like, ugh. So... 100 bucks well spent as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't matter what Absolutely. transmitter you need. There are so many little interesting hacks. Um, Baloo is on the on the chat mentions it's too bad it's not available on a Mac. Um sorry man. I know. I'm a, I'm a Mac at video yeah. editor, but I've got my PC and I built it up and you know, it's it's been really it's just been really good and I've stretched across two monitors so I can see the chat. We found out very quickly early on that the um, the voice chat feature in the system is useless, so we just go either to uh, Discord or even uh, um, uh, Facebook Messenger and do the audio yeah, chat. Yeah, do a call there. Yeah. yeah. So and it's uh, yeah, it totally works that way. It's it's kind of frustrating that it doesn't really work the way you would think it would. But yeah. I mean, it, it again, the, the Real Flights platform is really quite long in the tooth at this point i wish they would update it with more modern features but you know they're they're a small soft knife edge is a small it's a small software company the software works extremely well uh so there's sort of the attitude of i guess if if it's not broke don't fix it 
but still it's a great product i love it well what was really neat was even though i was on nine um you guys were linking back to seven with 7.5 which is kind of nice and okay you, we can't all see each other's aircraft and the running conversation was well okay if you're going to load a custom aircraft let us know we'll start up a google link page or something and everybody can at least sure. see each other um and there's certain and i guess as they they add features to the their versions it's you know, so I've got fields and aircraft that you guys might not have. Of course, all of a sudden I get notes saying, oh, I bought nine, I bought nine, I bought nine. And, you know, <laughs> hashtag blame Andre, you know, whoops, sorry guys. But yeah, you know what? I mean, it's, for me, the, the, the benefits don't, aren't really there for me no. to upgrade from 7.5 to nine. I, I just don't see any value in it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'd rather spend that hundred dollars on, you know, Parts. three receivers for yeah. real airplanes <laughs> yeah exactly parts <laughs> um oh totally, oh, totally. I, it's it, it's a it's a balanced thing you yeah. know once they come out with a feature that's really an incentive for me absolutely i'm gonna buy it but i'm until that point i'm p- completely content with 7.5 yeah and uh what we learned too for those who are looking um steam seems to be the fastest way to get it because if you go through horizon or and, and they actually have to send you an authorization your 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 authentication code so if you go through steam it's like bang it's automatic so i'm like okay easy peasy go and i was up and running in, in a couple hours um and control wise i'm using my fr sky i had a usb to uh serial adapter I plugged into the trainer port and I was having all kinds of channel conflicts. And then I found this little application that uses just the audio jack on my computer. And that seems to go, what is, it's called, uh, what is it called again? Uh, I'm hovering over top of it. Smart port pro or something like that. It's a free app. Uh, and it just, just Google it. There's a video on how to do it. And it just goes in there and it listens to it. And I know the FR sky, there's an, there's a, uh, USB loader as well. That'll let you use your FR sky to USB, but the audio one works just fine. And, uh, so I was able to get like eight or nine of my channels. So it's like, you can actually go through. And the really funny part is I'm trying to get used to flying with my, my D, uh, my DX nine black and the stock programming for the spectrum radio everything is on the opposite side of the radio as far as switches and kill like my kill switch is where my gear switch is on my you know and it's just opposite of what yeah. my, is on my tyrannus and yeah. i'm like i'm gonna get into some serious trouble uh one day because it's gonna be like i'm gonna be flying a plane and i'm gonna throw you know gonna go with gears and throw my throttle lock or something or you know it's just i'm, I'm, I'm well, it, petrified i mean yeah you, you have to also remember that the real flight controller itself is modeled after a real futaba controller oh, that's so true. every Everything is sort of formatted more towards yeah. Futaba, and you know the Spectrum and and uh, FR Sky, they're modeled more to, more or less toward each other. I mean, the Tyrannus is the case that used to be a, a JR radio, which is same company as, as Spectrum. Um, but you know, at, at this point, you know, I, I I'm able to use my uh, my my FR Sky radio through the trainer port onto my interlink elite that I have for real flight. So I can use either one, Yeah. Uh, but I do have a, a specific uh, profile on my radio, yeah. like selecting a model. That way everything is mapped correctly when I go to real flight. Yep. It's it's nice to be able to use my own radio on, on the simulator. It is. I, I've enjoyed that a lot. And it was just, you know, you stick. So I have a spare. I've got dx6 and i've got the uh the my spare um my early my version one of the tyrannus and they seem to work really well so so 
moving forward, we're gonna we'll probably be setting up some stuff. Uh, there's a lot of speculation, or a lot of you know, if if everybody's gonna try and do a little real flight action for uh, Flight Fest, um, we'll talk about that into the show. Um, uh, I guess the Let's only, see if we can break the multiplayer. <laughs> well, I think it's 32. I think you cap out at 32, right? So. Oh, is that it? Yeah, I've, ne- so. I've never tried. <laughs> no, no, we've only ever had a couple. But anyhow, we'll, as we go, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep it announced, and uh, and we'll, uh, we'll you know if we're ever out playing and stuff like that or flying, we'll just throw up a note on uh, on social media and uh, you know look for the RC After yeah. Hours group and everything, and I'll send out the password, which is really easy. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about projects, man. Talk about some of your... So the first time I met you, we obviously early on... No, I would have to say it was Flight Fest 14. It was. It was. It was. And you... Okay, so you weren't doing the float plane that year, were you? No. No, you didn't do anything. So that... You had brought in your EC, uh, your SE5. That's what it was. Correct. Yes. And that got got dinged up on the the trip. yeah, it, it, well, the so I had brought the uh, grasshopper. I had an L4 grasshopper that I brought that got a little beat up in Pittsburgh. Uh, and that's actually when I first met Chris. I was in one of the build tents repairing it one night and got into a conversation with Chris. Uh, but, yeah, I had brought the uh, SE5 that I had built from scratch entirely out of foam board, but I had removed all of the paper. Yeah so that I could make it fully scale. And at the time I was covering with uh, tissue paper and water-based polyurethane and the wings were covered in doculam, but it had uh, uh, rib stitching and uh, the panel stitching on the fuselage that I had done with, you know, like 150 or something uh, little pins and, uh, Patrick Murphy thought that was just the most amazing thing. And then I started doing airplanes with rivets and he's like, you're a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fun year. You and I actually met uh, picking up trash on John Fury's property. Yep, That's how we met. There you go. There you go. And, uh, and and it's gone from there. And, you know, we, we, there's some really good photos in some of the galleries of, um, of uh, you know, especially the year you were building the float plane. Um, and, and it was like, okay, the running, the running joke was, did anybody feed Orchard today? <laughs> yeah, that was a real problem for sure. <laughs> yeah, the Sikorsky was a great project just because, um, you know, we, we had never encountered the format that Flight Test put on for an event. Uh, with the build tents, it was just so unique. And I got so many questions about the SE5 that I thought, you know, I think it'll be more fun to just show people how to build <laughs> in, you know, something other than hot glue tape and foam board and that's what i did i didn't bring a single airplane to fly for 2015 and just packed up my entire shop and built the sikorsky in you know 50 something hours it was a lot of fun <laughs> no i won't ever do it again no, but it was no no we, 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 we've all collectively learned some really <laughs> valuable lessons about bringing crazy projects during that that time and it, it's not that we it's not that we it's not doable it's just there are better better things to use that time for i think and so um and uh yeah so that was a pretty crazy one uh the gotha that was a fun project too that was a fun collective team effort for everybody and the scale and everything 
Yeah, that so that was actually one of my favorites. Uh, so the Gotha, I had been fiddling around with, you know, doing my own flight test style uh, design from scratch. And really I wanted to approach a foam board airplane from the perspective of trying to make it fly in a more scale-like manner. <laughs> because that's really what I go for is, you know, I'm, I, I'm a scale uh, builder. So if it doesn't fly scale, it's sort of like, well, you know, if if the Mustang the FT Mustang flies like the tiny trainer, you know what's the what's the point what's of building point? one or the other? Yeah, you know one's a high wing, one's a low wing, but they fly exactly the same to me. Um, but you know, one lands better. Like the look. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, the the Gotha came out of that, and I I saw that uh, uh, Dan Sponholz was doing the trying to do a mini version of his bloody baron and i'm like hey you know this is about the right size to be like a fighter escort would you be interested and he's like yeah well let's do this together and and then it just sort of snowball escalated <laughs> exponentially out of control and steven got in on and then and next thing you know there's like over 50 pilots on this this event and it was so much fun such a great memory there is great memory with good friends. there is an amazing video because chris chris puts the his phantom up and yeah you see the gotha and <laughs> and then we launch and it's i i know my plane missed that phantom because it went straight up through the through the chaos and i'm like i know it's red <laughs> Yeah, well, those things were so squirrely. People were trying the night before to get them dialed ben, in. And it was ben. like, look, you just, no throws. No, yeah, no, no throws. No, yeah, <laughs> nothing. Just, you know, and I remember Ben trying to fly his at night and giggling, giggling when he got it going. And it's like, yeah, you're going to lose that thing in like 30 seconds unless you're whipping around your head because uh, they were tiny. And then tiny. Um, we were doing printed paper and putting that on to uh, rasterize, uh, designed everybody nice, really amazing graphics using the you know the, the uh, either uh-huh. your Brit or, or or an Axis or an Ally, and it was really damp. And I remember everybody's playing and start every, all the paper just starts lifting off, and and even um, <laughs> Bixler was just horrified because that was year was really bad, and like people would come out, you know, kids had built their airplanes, so they come out the next morning, and the planes are all like. Pleh! Because they just soak yep. up all that moisture, right? This yeah, is... that was that was all before the before the, the, the water resistant foam board. Yeah. So yeah, the Gotha, the got. So I had flown the Gotha the previous morning just to see how <laughs> things were doing, what else I need to trim, and boy, I almost lost it. Um, but uh, the following morning, yeah. It, just as you described, everything was damp. Paper was lifting off the Gotha, and I'm looking at it, going, "Well." It'll last for at least one flight. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all it needed. Yeah. Just got to do a pa- flyby. And oh, you did a bomb drop with it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I had designed a bomb drop that was pretty easy just using magnets and a hinge, uh, one of those offset door hinges that you can get. And you put a magnet inside the bomb and a magnet on the end of this hinge, and the hinge lifts up away from the bomb, and the bomb just releases super super easy Mm -hmm. uh but yeah that was that was the idea too to drop a bomb nice uh and then so that was what 17 2017 i think Uh, that was that was that was 20 that was 2016 
Right. So then was, that was 2016. Yeah. And then 2017. Bugatti. Uh, was that the Bugatti? Was that the Bugatti? I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> I can't I remember. Think, I think so because after last, and then it was 2018. Your your role at Flight Fest changed, and we can we can discuss that for sure. Yeah. But I think it was I think the Bugatti because then afterwards we all got a little bit more serious about certain things. Yeah, being told by by various sources it was 17. So, okay, okay, uh, yeah. So so 2017 was then the the Bugatti. Uh, which was crazy. That was that was my first uh, sponsored build, which was really cool. It was, it was really great collaboration with uh, Ian at Hobby King, and, um, and I'm really pleased with how it turned out. Still hasn't flown since that flight, uh, <laughs> but certainly not without trying. Uh, one one of the many things people don't realize about that airplane, I've had so many people ask about it over the years is that the center of gravity is only one centimeter ahead of the wheel axle line when it's on its mains. So oh. anytime any sort of bump happens, yeah. it wants to nose over. Yeah. Uh, we, try, we tried at Ceph the following year, and I, I had come with eight propellers, and I broke all, all eight, eight of them, plus the two that were on the airplane. So, it, yeah. again, it wasn't without trying, but the only way that Bugatti's ever going to fly again is if I get it on tricycle gear. Mm. So, that's... That would, that would, yeah. Or you find that perfect, you find a perfect runway for it, so... Ooh. Yeah, I mean, people have talked about trying to do, a like, a paved runway, and I've got one down the road here at another club that I could go to and try, but it's such a scary airplane. Um, you know, the, <laughs> at this point, I, I haven't even thought about flying it for so many years that yeah. it's like, well, I'd really have to psych myself up to, to get it out there. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I, I loved that build. Completely scratch built. I did all of the aerodynamics and everything behind it. Did a lot of research. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun beautiful and it looked experience. it looked beautiful and uh i guess from there i don't remember if you did anything for 18 and then 19 you i had. did what did you do for 18 18 i did the corsair oh that's right that's right okay yeah, i was uh, pro- i was probably a little bit more corsair. focused <laughs> Uh, so the the Corsair was the, an exercise in stuffing as many RC gimmicks into one model at one time. Uh, I had this top flight uh, 60-size Corsair that I had purchased from a club member, no kidding, for $20. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, everybody likes the Corsair, and uh, it's been a while since I've done a proper balsa build. So I just got excited about building in balsa. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go crazy. This whole 3D printing thing is taking off. So I did uh, a bomb drop mechanism. And so it can drop two bombs. Um, it's got a functioning pitot tube that tells me airspeed, uh, full, full house retracts. Uh, with uh, you know Robart pneumatics, um, it's got the the functioning cowl flaps. It's got a 3D printed dummy radial, uh, 3D printed spinner, um, 3D printed exhaust, 
and then you get into the cockpit, and the cockpit slides. I remember that. Yeah. The stick moves forward, back. Uh, uh, it was in the rudder pedals move and uh, there's a boost tab on the elevator that's functional and uh, yeah I mean it just it does everything <laughs> it's heavy and it flies it flies heavy but it flies well um, and uh, I've had that out to several events at this point nice. love the Corsair nice. nice flying plane nice and then for 2019 it was yeah. the pop rivet craziness, and uh, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I mean the the P four the the sorry the uh, Corsair had its fair share of rivets and panel lines, but the P forty seven was something special. Uh, yeah, uh, I that I I, I love that plane. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's, what's your favorite part about the P forty seven? I I loved I loved. It's like I said, it's the alternative, uh, you know, the the idea of saying, you know, I'm going to take a roll of, of duct tape, not duct tape, sorry, insulation tape, foil tape, and then I'm going to figure out if I can polish this thing to a mirror shine. And then I'm going to put this all over that aircraft, and then you're going to apply a million, you know, a couple. You counted them, didn't you? I did. I did. I can't remember the exact number, but it was like... 13,000, 14,000. <laughs> and yeah, I, just, I, would, I would row and I put it in a spreadsheet and then sum the whole column. Yep. Um, and it's just the fact that it looked different because you had Carl's airplane, which was basically stock, and then you had it's yours. And, 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 you know, just from a visual standpoint. And so you put your stamp on it, which is, which is you know, and then you put a stamp on, on, uh, Finley. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, I, mean, I, I mean, the the the, the point is, that you make is a really good one, and that was that was what I was trying to do from the start. Because at the time that I started that project, there was all this talk online about how builders were dying, and that we need more builders, and we need to promote the hobby more. And I looked at the situation and I said, okay, well, I'm a builder, and what do other people really look at when when they try to approach a build and i thought well i mean arfs you really can make your own yeah and that's why i called it a barf a builder's arf <laughs> and name didn't really catch on but who cares <laughs> anyway you know um i i had looked into the covering that most people do called flight metal and researched it and and you know found all these specifications on it and i just happened i was like okay well it comes in this role there's got to be a commercial availability for it somewhere else and i just happened to find it on amazon for half the price and uh, you know it's just this roll of six inch wide foil tape that's essentially aluminum ducting tape this stuff is ever so slightly thinner uh but it it works just as well and and then I just figured out how to polish it. <laughs> that was awesome. Made a, made a holy mess in my shop, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I remember doing Chrome on the GT6, and like you're, you you come in and your hands are, even though you had gloves on and everything, everything you're black. You're just black yeah. from that compound. Yeah. Um, so is it, is it an iron-on application then? Oh, no, not at all. I did a three-part series on it on my YouTube channel. Where it talks, it's it's a lot of it is in the surface preparation. So, yeah. 
you've, you've got to eliminate the grain of the balsa wood and you've got to give it a nice even surface for this tape to adhere to. It's, it's like a natural rubber almost uh, adhesive that does cure out. Um, so if, if your surface prep isn't right, then you're going to show anything that's underneath of it. Yeah. Once the, once the glue cures and you try to peel it up and correct it, it's going to, it's going to rip everything apart as, as you try to peel it off. So it's really important that you get it right the first time and then just leave it alone. Um, so but yeah, it's, it's, it's metal. It is raw aluminum that nice. you have to stretch and form and plan ahead and you have to overlap just right to get the panel lines to look good. And, uh, if you mess up, you mess up and, <laughs> You know, but that's part of the fun is learning how to work with a new medium. So did you, you took the, you took the P47, the, the Hangar 9 P47. Did you strip off the covering that they had? I did. I did. Uh, It was, uh, if I recall correctly, it was almost 11 ounces of covering. Um, And I did a fun, that was my first time-lapse video on my YouTube channel. Um, But yeah, that that was a lot of work and it really hurt my fingers. So if you ever do it, just you've been warned. (laughs) It's it's not for the faint of heart because that that covering in particular, uh, that printed stuff is more like a vinyl. Mm. Uh, So it's it, it. it, when it when it gets heat, it holds it really well. Unlike a, well, you've been stripping off the the plane in, in your background. Yeah. Um, but that was yeah, that's a fabric based. Yeah, but even still, uh, you know, doing doing the covering that you're doing, it 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 doesn't hold the heat like this vinyl does. Yeah. Uh, like when you're applying stuff and you're you're applying heat with either heat gun or, or an iron it's just not going to hold the heat like this stuff does so it my <laughs> fingers were burned and very raw yeah and, and then i can i can imagine when you're putting the stuff back down i mean you're basically heating a heated surface as well so twice as much well no no i'm not i'm not using any heat to apply That's the aluminum right, cuz it's got the it's got the adhesive already yeah, yeah. it's gummy okay cool Cool. Yeah, yeah, you just have to be careful when you're running your finger across seams. That I mean, I'm serious. That the aluminum will cut you, you really up? bad. Yes, yes. I, I bled on that project. I bleed <laughs> on almost every project. Awesome. And it's funny because you know jo- Joshua firsthand. Like I'm in the middle of doing my my uh, my uh, my biplane, and uh, there are photos there when I started doing the top wing, and. I haven't done covering in like 20 years and I'm sitting here going, okay, I know what the, how much this silly roll of, of material costs me. And I'm petrified to start the first cut because oh. you, no matter, yeah. no matter what you do, you've got to cut it. You're going to, you've got wastage. It's a highly inefficient way to do it because no matter what you do, you end up with slivers and chunks and pieces. Don't throw those away because they can be used for something somewhere. Um, That's right. But I was just like, you got to start. You got to start. And 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 I will never call myself OCD. I will never say I'm like compulsive. But I was like I you know, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to screw these corners up." And after a while, I had to let go and say, "You know what? 
it's going to be what it is. I mean, it didn't turn out that bad. It's sitting behind me, and I'm, I'm kind of no. happy. The corners, whatever. I can put some other stuff over top, <laughs> some black over top, and you know. But for my first time doing covers and figuring it out, and and it was talking with other people, yourself and some other people, I need to do more stretching and just plan that out a little tiny bit more. But it's like I'm doing the cut, and I'm like, okay. And you watch some videos of people doing this stuff and prepping for it, and they've got a mirror and they put down their spray, and then they get there with their really high, di- you know, high refined knives. I'm like, no, 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 let's go. <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, it's a plane. Like, okay, fine. Somebody, someone is going to go, Mel, you could have done a better job. I'm like, you know what? Once that thing is in the air and it's 10 feet out, you ain't going to see those flaws. You know, you're going to be smiling and going, yeah, holy it, crap, it's a beautiful that's, plane. That's exactly the point. You're, you're the average, the average kind of pilot slash builder that, you know, the average person is just going to be completely content with you know, less than perfect covering job. I'm different because, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, you know, I admit that I get pretty uh, obsessive compulsive about some things. And, and that's what I enjoy about the hobby. I enjoy uh, seeing an airplane on the ground as well as in the sky, because to me, when I look at an airplane, it's, it's really fun to go to events and see an airplane like, oh, that's really neat. And then you go back a couple hours later and the sun has arced and changed and you can see different details. That's really fun for me. And so I try to plan those kinds of things into my builds because every once in a while you do encounter another weirdo like me. But for the most part, everybody's, you know, one and done. They're like, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> well, uh, and, and, and so it's interesting because as I progress through the hobby, I have a litany of airplanes. And I really appreciate the fact that you can say, okay – one, maybe two projects a year maximum, one or two planes a year. And, and you know, I, I, I got sucked into the bind and flies. And I've also decided I like the bigger airplanes, and it's terrifying. It's a terrifying problem. Bigger flies better. Oh, man. Bigger flies better. So, so <laughs> in behind, it's out of the scene. But anyhow, I was working on the two the, the 262, the, uh, the Dynam. And uh, I had to move five airplanes to get to one airplane i'm like i need to scale down unfortunately because everything is bigger and i once this project is done and uh you know once once we know we can go flying again i want a cub i want a gas powered cub i don't know about the gas actually i don't know if i'm going to go fuel based or if i'm just going to stick with electric but i want like i want my first hangar nine experience you know i know what i can fit in the car i know what i'm looking for but i've also got to be prepared because boy oh boy, oh boy, this stuff costs money. So I can appreciate why you say, okay, I'm going to focus in because I know what the dollar value is on that P47 just, and, and, and then I get Canadian value and stuff. Um, uh, so it's a little terrifying. And then I'm like, this is a hobby. And, and I look back and I look back to 2013 and what I was flying on, what I was flying with and the budget. And I'm like, wow, things have things this escalated fast <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's no secret it's really not a, a secret everything is published out there uh, on what it is and actually carl Leidick, he's done a great review on the p47 mm-hmm. and everything as built with all the recommended hardware including servos and retracts and everything it's 1400 dollars u.s and u.s that's that's expensive yeah that is expensive and there's no doubt about that um, if, if you look at all the materials and other stuff that I put into the P47, 
Uh, it's not a whole lot m- much more. It's just the time. Yes. There's a lot of time investment in that airplane. Yeah. Uh, even even after I flew it into Mike Finley, <laughs> <laughs> it grazed him. It grazed yeah, him. He Mostly good. it hit the planes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's that's another thing that I still get flagged for, but whatever. Uh, um, he did a nice tuck and roll. Uh, he did. He did. <laughs> well, and a lot of those people that criticize it don't really understand the, the nature of Flight Fest and, and how the flight line goes. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, Robert, uh, Robert Post, he says, yeah, $2,000 Canadian. And, and, and it's tough because I can afford it. The question is, do I want to afford it? And, you know, and it's, it's just, as you progress to the hobby, you change what you want. So, I mean, my, my, uh, my Waco project behind me, uh, that's, that's a massive change. I mean, okay. The darn airplane cost me 75 bucks to buy used. Then all the other gear, I can tell you when I'm done, this thing will probably be a thousand dollar airplane by time I'm done. And, you know, and I got a smoking deal on, a, on, a, on an original kit that's in really fantastic shape. I just have to put the time into it. Now, what you say about the time and what you say about that work, um, borderline zen, especially during the middle of the winter. And even now when, you know, uh, what we're going through right now with, with the COVID-19 stuff and just like there are days when the weather's crap outside or I've just, I've had it. And I'm like... I'm going to go and I'm going to work on this airplane. And I've been I've been knocking down pieces on it bit by bit, little by little, at my pace. But I've been doing it when I want to do it. And I think that's a really, that's a big change. And uh, as much as I love working with foam board, there's no way I have the skill set to curve and do stuff like, like Overstreet. I, I've tried. I've tried. And I get it because I've watched and I've worked with metal and everything. And I'm like, I can't make this thing this shape. I'm, I have no idea. So I'm like, you know what? I'm trying this medium. And, and, and I've accepted the fact that when I make an RC plane out of foam board, it's boxy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can. It's fun too because you can approach uh, the balsa building with with incorporating foam as well. Mm. Uh, there have been there have been airplanes in the past where uh, I've crashed, and like, well, take for example my I have, I've got a Great Plains Escapade, and I had a, a little brownout, and the airplane went into. So we, this past summer we had this corn, and I'm talking like nine foot tall corn. Uh, so I had a brownout on takeoff, <clears throat> and I've since fixed that issue. But what happened was the airplane, I tried to safely bring it down once I, I recovered signal. I mean, it happened in a split second, but the whole leading edge just got kind of banged up. Yeah. And there were a couple of cracked spots of wood. Well, I just popped those out and then popped in a little piece of foam, Yeah. carved it. Carved it down, sanded it to shape, put covering right over top of it. Yeah, it flies a, great. It's amazing. Great. It's an amazing medium, right? Uh, I mean, and, and 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 that is the fun of it. And there's a statement here from Jermaine uh, uh, um, who says it adds up fast when building and restoring airplanes. It sounds crazy too, but. I also love finding a good used deal. Um, I mean, this is a restoration on someone else's job. This plane is 20 years old, we figure. I'm the third or fourth owner at this point, and that's fantastic. And so finding something. Now, you're still putting in the money because servos, servos on this scale, no one told me about that either. (laughs) 
yeah. you know when, when, yeah. when we're but, used to, well, to to be fair you went a little bit overboard on servos there and know. i warned you about that you but, know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay it is it is it is insurance, though, yeah. so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize you for that at all. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you with the tripacer in the background. You know, uh, the the restoration. I've never done a restoration before. I've only had ever done builds from beginning to finish. But at the same time, it's like, how much of my shop supplies are going into this airplane that I'm not accounting for? Because <laughs> at this point, I haven't I haven't really put any money into the airplane. Uh, it's just all of the shop supplies that I've got. Um, you know, I bought the airplane for 50 bucks at a swap meet and I paid $45 to have a brand new cowl. That's it. Yeah. And that doesn't seem like much on the surface, but boy, there are some interesting things underneath that covering. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when you dig into a restoration on an old car, you know, you're like, Ooh, what did that guy do? Previous owners, you know, DPOs we sometimes fire it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He used what? How much Bondo? But uh, in 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 this case, though, like I said, the, the my my biplane's in relatively good shape, and I'm having fun. And um, the previous owners actually become a pretty decent friend, and I've asked him questions, and I'm going to be doing a 3D print prop for him. And you know, he's like, "Oh, I found the decals, and oh, here's a bag of uh, of um, of uh, you know." Uh, vinyl covering you know because he's and he was actually a little insulted that i was like i'm going with the uh, the ultra coat and he's like oh it's you should have used a fabric and i'm like hey eh, it'll look cooler and you know it's my learn i didn't even know you could get the fabric stuff that was just iron on but now i know and so yeah yeah there, i mean there's there's lots of different coverings out there and there are pros and cons to everything um you know i've i've built everything from uh world war one aircraft to golden age to world war ii and now this is my first civilian airplane oh well i shouldn't say that zikorsky was my first civilian airplane but um this is my first civilian balsa plane put it that way yeah um but you know the there are so many different fabrics out there and while there are things like oratex uh which i mean most I'm using Oratex on the TriPacer, but my past has been with Solartex. And let me tell you, that that stuff is heavy. It's a heavy covering. And unless you're building something big, you really can't use it on something smaller. Uh, I I tried using it on a 1.6 scale World War I airplane. I had to rip it all off of the fuselage because there was so much weight on the tail that I (laughs) was having. No, I I had to put literally a half a pound of weight in the nose just to offset the weight <laughs> in the tail. And because, because it's short nose coupled, you had to add a lot of weight. So again, you know, there are pros and cons to different things, but that's again, why I love building and why I love talking shop with people because you learn these things mm. and, and, you know, not everybody has access to resources. And I've, I've taken so much time trying to learn and, and get all this information. And that's why I share everything that I know on my YouTube channel. I have no secrets. I will not hire any secret from anyone. And, and I've met builders that will not tell you a building technique because it gives them like a competitive edge on something. And I'm like, why? hey, man. It, it's, yeah. Are you, are you doing this for, you well, know, yeah. So I don't, there, there's I, no, there's I don't no, fully understand. 
there's there there is some competitiveness that they're doing for shows and that I could I could appreciate that, but yeah, no, sure. um, that's that's not that's not the part of the community that we're from, you know. So right. it's uh, right. um, Bill Decker asks a really good question. Uh, monocote, what is there a difference between monocote and ultracote? I, I think it's. There is a difference. Uh, it is one is coming from you know the the Great Plains, and one is coming from uh, Horizon Hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to have to choose one over the other, I would honestly use uh, uh, Ultra Coat. Uh, I think personally, it holds up better over time, uh, and. Just from the planes that I've observed from going to swap meets and stuff, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the ultra coat just shrinks really well. I mean, look at that finish that you've got, Andre. It's great. It looks awesome. I was so excited. Here, I'll get close to the microphone again. Put my wing back. <laughs> it's, that's the uh, that's the big one too. That's the seventy-two inch one. Yeah. The uh, the lower wing is smaller. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. so excited to find it. I was trying to get photos of this thing because I was like, man, the camera with the overhead light and the LED was like green. I'm like, I got to get this thing outside to take a photo. And the pop, the <laughs> yeah. visual pop, and the camera does no no good job at um, at, at capturing it. Um, and so well, what, what really struck me was the difference between the control surfaces. that, And I tried to cover them, but they've got the, the, the wings of their, their series, whether they're graded or whatever. I tried putting a cover on it, and I yeah. couldn't get the refine. So I'm like, all right, I'll have to try and paint match or just paint it with an accent color. Um, but um, yeah. from my experience, the other well, go ahead. Yeah, but the other thing I was gonna say is that you're uh, you'll you'll find that once you get the airplane in the sun, that the uh, the covering is not nearly going to be as likely to bubble mm. as monocoat because the the uh, adhesive the heat activated adhesive is a little bit different as well yeah. and that's another thing that i found like with the the great planes airplanes that i have built like the the gb r r1 that i just finished yeah uh, i built a, a ryan sta for another club member earlier uh in the winter and both of those planes i hit them with the covering iron and a heat gun to get everything tight. And the second they're in the sun, everything starts to bubble up. Yeah. And I, you don't see that nearly as much with the ultra coat. Yeah. It, it, it surprised me because it was like, Ooh, I was, a I was a little excessive on my, my cover. I'm like, okay, let's just, and I think I only had one burn through on the leading edge, and that was on the initial, the first layer. So I was like, okay, I'm fine because I can oh, cover over, right? Nobody's going to see it. Exactly. Yeah, and then, it. you know, and it, it's it's not perfect. But then I was like, you know what? If anybody scowls on me, because this is like, look, first time in 20 years, people. Um, but it looks, from the top end of it, it looks great. No one's going to see the underside of my wing. If they do, well, I've run into them. <laughs> but um, yeah. The fuselage will be interesting because that's where I'm going to have to pay attention to detail. I am going to have to go over with with some some um, some filler and just clean up a couple areas because that you want it to look nice. I'm not sure how I'm going to attack the battery hatch yet. If I'm going to how I'm going to clean up those edges, but I've got enough material here. I went and I bought an extra roll. Hopefully the color matches. It should. Either way, yeah. But like I said, if I if I can't. Things like the wheel pants and the cowl, uh, if I can't get a color match done, well, well, maybe I'll paint them in an accent color and make it my own plane, you know? Like, there's no rule. Well, 
I had it. I'll tell you about a conversation I had years ago. Uh, I went down. So I'm fortunate to live in near Washington D.C., uh, right near the Smithsonian area. Uh, area and uh, I went with Carl and Patrick, two of our buddies, down to the Udvarhazi Museum on a day that they had an open house for the restoration hangar. Nice. I had a half an hour long conversation with a gentleman about paint. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> I love talking paint. Uh, and the, the thing that I learned there is that uh, if you want to try to recreate an airplane, uh, the only way that you can do that is if you take one picture at one time that covers every single detail of the airplane. Yeah. Everything else, you can fly that airplane an hour later and yeah. it'll look different. Yeah. Anything can happen. So, you know, your, your yellows mat not matching I wouldn't be worried about because you're going to have that happen on a real plane. Like uh, Patrick, Patrick's uh, uh, full-scale tri-pacer. Yep. He's had the wings recovered, and the, the wings and, and the tail look ever so slightly whiter than the cowl around the engine just because yeah. it's metal and it's been painted. So you're going to have these kinds of discolorations. And again, different times of the day are going to show different colorations. Yep. So don't sweat those kinds of details because to me, I, I think it looks like it has more character. And I think they look better when they have those kinds of inter interesting things to look at. Oh, and, and I decided very early on that I wasn't going for perfection on this airplane. Actually, I was almost, um, I know I had to go and look under the skin and take the skin off and everything. But I was almost upset with myself after because I'm like, you know, I bet I could have gotten this airplane to fly sooner. You know, but at this point, you know. Yeah, I mean, you you can say that all that you want, but at the same time, you're going through it so meticulously that you're going to know every single piece about this airplane. So if anything ever happens to it, you're going to have that brain say, I know how to fix that. Yeah. And, and that's that's the advantage that you have of going through the whole process of the restoration. And I'm enjoying it. It's interesting. It's a whole other set of tools. It's a whole other set of things. I had to cut the battery hatch into it and everything, and I had to think about that going, okay, top you access. You were so but, nervous about that. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. And, and you're like, don't even measure it. Just get in there with the knife. You and Carl, like, just just cut it. Get your saw and go. And, and that's what I did one afternoon. I just went, okay. And then I'm like, okay, the battery. And then we, we studied this piece of wood that the previous owner put in there. And I'm like, Chris, Not structural. Not <laughs> well, it was structural because he had a big giant set. Was it Sato? Sato? Big giant, you know, four stroke motor in the thing, right? I'm going to be running off a 430 KV with a 16 inch prop and everything. I'm not going to have the same dynamic craziness going on inside this airplane so it's like okay we can take a little leave we can we can go back and forth it'll be interesting to see if i make the cg if i have to add weight to the nose but i think i should be pretty good i mean you know i've got the my my large size motor mount which i'm gonna do like you and chop up and everything and that's it's an interesting process in that yes we admit it costs money yes you have to sometimes do things that are a little radical like take your brand new forty dollar motor mount and hack it right away yeah. but you make it on yeah. your own so 
laugh a little. It will take you longer to finish it than to maiden it. Uh, yes, it will. Uh, only because I don't get to go flying for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm um, I'm bad for me taking up brand new airplanes right away. I tend to, for whatever reason, they tend to wait. But uh, it's funny because I'm I'm pretty bummed about 2020 because. I and obviously 2018, the end of 2018 was a disaster. 2019 was a bit of a recovery. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go. 2020, we're, we're ready to rock. And, you know, I've got a bunch of airplanes I was ready to fly and everything. And the winter was long and everything. And all of a sudden, yeah, we're all stopped. And, and, and unfortunately, yeah. that's, you know, so it's like, it's funny because I almost want to, I want almost want to tag all the suppliers I know, uh, you know, flight test, even motion and anybody who sells kits and see how their stock is. Are people, because um, I know you guys still have access to your fields, but a lot of people I'm understanding, like we can't fly in the parks, we can't fly at our, par- our, at our flying fields. Yeah. So I'm almost we're, wondering how the builds are going. We're kind of an exception in that we rent property from a private landowner. So because it's not public property, we can still utilize it. And obviously we do have to still maintain it as part of our lease agreement. Um, it, but, you know, our, our club is such a small club. Uh, last year we only had 32 actively paid members. Uh, usually it was the same five guys at the field every weekend. Nice. Yeah. So so it, even if we had a, a big group, it would be like, six seven people <laughs> uh, nice yeah. so it's like there's plenty of room to go around and and honestly uh, it, it's a beautiful place to fly to where we are the the runway is terrible because <laughs> it's old it's, a, it's old farmland <laughs> but Was you it know the, it's i watched one well I, I watched one landing and the perspective was like the, the plane I, maybe it was the jug it was the jug yeah and I was, I remember watching it and it was just like, you're coming in and I'm, and it's like, it slopes down away from you. And I was like, wow, or it could have been a perspective of the angle of the camera, but it looked uh, maybe a little bit of both, but yeah, there, the field is sort of like at the crest of a hill. Um, and so you know, it does go down slightly on, on both sides, <laughs> uh, but on, on the right side of the field, it's interesting. You have to sort of like really buck up for your first flight because that, side of the runway can either have and you don't know until either someone else has gone up for the day or if you go up so it's sort of like okay well the first thing i'm going to do on this pass is figure out does that spot have sink or lift yeah uh because uh, it, it can make tree. it landing oh, yeah, 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 industry yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially we, if you're coming from the right well we've got something somewhere with our place where we've got the line of trees and yeah that that'll do stuff or the wind will cut funny coming in so you're coming in all of a sudden wings are doing stuff on vinyl and everything um phoenix or perfect uh, perfection uh says my local hobby shop is uh killing it right now on surface rc totally um uh if 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 i'm staying home and i'm stuck in my yard this year oh that carla course and if anybody's looked at my social media my parents dropped off this they took down a tree and they had all this these flagstones around it and so that has now been hauled over to my place and as part of the crawler course um i flew in the backyard though i have from from jason um one of our buddies here in in, in ontario um it's a fat hawk it's called it's a 3d it's a simple 3d 2s with a little 
little, uh, you know, prop saver motor set up and everything. And uh, I flew 3D in the backyard. I landed in the hot tub twice. <laughs> I had the cover off because I was just, you know, cleaning the cleaning the tub vent, and I pl- I plopped the stupid 3D plane in there. But it's it's uh Depron, it's foam, right? So you yeah. pick it up, shake it off, or throw it back in the air. Um, <laughs> so you know, like so so if I'm like, okay, if this keeps up. I'm, I've got a ton of resources. I've got a ton of parts here besides the projects that I'm working on right now. I want to make a little backyard flyer. I've got my little FPV aircraft and, and it's funny cause everybody's like, just fly the quads. I'm like, oh, that's cheating. That's cheating. I want a plane. I, um, <laughs> I know I can get my little, uh, my vapor, my FPV vapor to fly around and I've mm, flown some other work. airplanes. I've got my really nice, um, cub my cub ass back here i don't want to bang that thing up on the one ass because you know it's it's that you know light 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 foam so i'm I'm thinking if i can make something that's got and it's all about the wing surface the lift and if i can slow down if i can get those props big enough props spinning slow enough that i can just kind of crawl along you know and then a really good rudder authority and just you know just map out the place and just go and and so that's what the 3d plane was showing me because if i got in trouble i just pop into a hover turn it around and come back and i was like okay that's, <laughs> that were great Look. yeah i mean as 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 long as i've been flying at this point i always say that i'm a fair pilot i'm getting better but i'm a fair pilot but the 3d stuff i just my head cannot do that (laughs) that little bit of time honestly the little bit of time sitting there in real flight and with chris in my ear saying okay try this he's pump it pump it pump it a little bit of right aileron and it was like all of a sudden and well i mean you saw you saw me in real flight i can do it in real flight all day long like when i get to the field with a real airplane i'm like i'm I'm not doing that are you kidding me i'm not doing that (laughs) but you know the 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 other Another airplane I've been flying the snot out of recently is uh, from Hobby King. is the, the MXS R70, and uh, it's roughly a 60-size airplane, but I've been learning to fly iMac. Uh, for those who don't yep. know, um, uh, inter- international miniature aircraft, uh, it's basically scale aerobatics, and they do competitions. And my club president is the regional iMac director here, and I've been getting great coaching from them. And let me tell you, learning to do those maneuvers and try to make an airplane do something very specific is difficult. It's very, very difficult. Uh, so I have a greater appreciation, but I do think that it's making me a better pilot. It's mm-hmm. making me plan ahead, making me think ahead of the airplane and how to better fly the wing, not necessarily the prop. Uh, a lot of the like the the uh oh, i forget the you know the plate airfoil what's that called again klein fogelman the klein fogelman wing airplanes um uh it's a lot like the flight test airplanes where you know the you've got the the under camber under camber tips and it's just gonna it's gonna go and you're more or less using the prop to make the airplane go where you want it to uh with imac it's completely the opposite you want to use the prop as a control surface just like your rudder uh and it's it's challenging it's really really challenging so are you running a constant it's a course right like it's like turn you're running a pattern it's 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 a sequence, yeah. yeah. There's a sequence of maneuvers that you're supposed to do in a specific order. Um, I haven't I haven't bothered to print out 
or or learn the 2020 sequence basic sequence yet because i'm still trying to learn the 2019 basic sequence <laughs> uh, but you know i i look at that situation i'm like okay well if i had like an ultra micro extra mm. with with as3x and i I had a whole litany of 1S batteries. I could probably fly that in my backyard. Yeah. But I couldn't fly 3D. And that that's the thing I'm having right now. So, you know, surface doesn't really interest me, but the the ultra micro stuff is starting to appeal a little bit more now that I have a little bit wider backyard. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know how the neighbors will, the new neighbors will take to that. <laughs> it's small. It's small. I, I don't. They have a little. Yeah, they've they've got to have something that'll work. So, um, uh, it's interesting in that you know, if I can get a couple of these, I might fly some of them out in the front yard. I've put, uh, I've you know, put planes and trees before, even one ass planes. So, they just seem to get attracted to my airplanes. Um, but uh, if I can get something in the backyard, if I can design something, you know, with it's it's got to be durable because there are plenty of things to hit, and uh, I, you know, the pool, the shed, the deck, yeah. the side of the house, the <laughs> fence, the trees, you the know. neighbor's dog. Yeah, the neighbor's dog. Yeah, no, there's there's enough of a barrier between all the trees uh, that I should be okay. But what I've also learned uh, in the last two years of flying in the backyard, whenever I do. The channels between the two houses are terrible on little one S planes because it's just this wind barrier, right? This yeah, wind, and, yeah. and you come around the corner, you got it, you got it, and all of a sudden you're hit. Um, so it's just finding the, it's finding an airplane that's got the a powerful enough rudder uh, that you can yeah. turn and get it back under control. And uh, that's yeah. that's where that, that that little UMX is. The little Vapor is hilarious. The FPV Vapor because it, it's actually a faster aircraft, uh, I think. Um, I haven't tried the HP one, but I think that would just get blown away. It's too tiny. <laughs> it's so tiny. So I, I'm curious about the Cub, but I haven't flown that one in a while. And, and it's like, you know, like I can't even get out to the park. So it's like you need floats. Yeah. It, it, Bill Decker says you need floats. I said, well, if I'm flying, I'll put the cover on the pool because then I can touch and go. <laughs> <laughs> um Interesting comment from Lee Davis. He's like he's saying that he's now flying. He's been enjoying the new A10. Um, you're are you much of an eject guy, an EDF guy? No, no. Uh, I have I have. Let's see. I want to get this precisely correct. I have built exactly one EDF. I have purchased one. EDF. <laughs> so years ago, I, I purchased a, a HE163 Salamander. I think that's what it was called. Anyway, it was molded wrong from the factory, um, and it didn't have any rudder uh, controls on it. And so I, I threw it up there, and it flew in circles because I had no rudder authority. <laughs> it's just the way it was molded from the factory. And on top of that, it came with only two right wings, so I had to reach out to Hobby King and get this. I mean, this is way back long, long ago when um, uh, the quality of Hobby King was really, really uh, not what it is now anymore. Um, but also, <laughs> so the other, the other EDF that I've flown is Ben's F-16. And my, my reason for that was I wanted to investigate how... 
building in a flight test style would work if you were to strip all the paper off and then cover it in fiberglass. What does the weight look like? What does the longevity look like? And um, my my problem that I had was pretty much the same as what I had experienced with paper. It's so humid. A lot of people don't realize Washington, D.C. was built on a swamp, okay? <laughs> it is moist here. <laughs> and the the F-16 warped pretty badly after not too long. So I was just like, okay, well, I, for good, I am... I'm not planning to make any more flight test style airplanes because they only last me for about a week. Yeah. And then they warp or fall apart. Yeah. Um, I don't care how water resistant Josh Bixler tells me that foam board is. I'll show you how water resistant that foam board well, is. I, I think I think the humidity also affects the glue because I've had things pop that I'm like, why is going? Uh, I've had wings come apart, but that could have been my glue too, yeah. my gun. Well, right? I, and that's the other thing too. You know, some people say, oh, I've never had I've never had gorilla glue expand the way it does. <laughs> the way you show YouTube videos, so I'm like, <laughs> do you realize moisture is in the air where I live? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that is very true. That is very true. Um, Bill Decker posed a question. He said, "Have you ever flown? Have you ever flown anything from Flex Innovations?" I have not. I have not. Um, you know, I've talked with the the Flex guys a lot, um, and that that conversation really started in 2018 when I first went to Ceph, and I actually picked up the Aura Eight that I have. Um, I picked it up from them because I, I picked it up specifically for the Bugatti to try to get the Bugatti to, you know, play nice and um, never really got a chance to, well, never got a chance to fly the Bugatti with the Aura 8. Um, but the the thing I will say is that the Flex guys really know their stuff. They make really nice flying models from what I can see, but they don't do anything scale. No. So... That that's my issue with flex is I don't have any interest in them because I'm a scale guy. Well, maybe the F, so, that new F100, that 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 lovely EDF. EDF. But, yeah, it's an yeah, EDF. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really do EDFs. Yeah. I, if it doesn't have a prop on it, it's you know, <laughs> it's another jet. You know, they look all the same. Well, it, it, <laughs> no, and and I'm gonna agree because I love. I love the classic retros, and even when I do have a jet, it's got to have a little age behind it. It's, uh, you know, I, I prefer something that's, you know, been around for a while. It's just, they look nicer. They, I, I, I can't stand a lot of the modern stuff. It's just, it's too sharp and too elegant and everything. It's something about an old airplane that's bulky and beefy and, you know. Um, yeah, Hilda, Hilda Flair in the chat pointed out, peel the paper, fiberglass the foam, and that's exactly what I did with the F-16. I just want to point that out. I fiberglassed it, but I didn't use epoxy. I used sanding sealer, which is the same thing as water-based polyurethane, by the way. So you just uh, the reason, it all in? Uh, yeah, but it's also a little bit lighter than using epoxy resin. And that was the whole point. It's like, okay, if I'm going to build a jet, I can't build it with epoxy because i got to save the weight. Yeah. And I, I'm just not... Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Dave. Love you. Love your builds. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> different environment. Yeah. Different environment. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it, well, he's a, 
yeah, he's he's up north. He he understands. Well, this is it, and it's funny because everybody, I I you know, I've flown a lot of my flight test planes in the winter, and it's you know, you knock the snow out of it, and they're fine. But it's like as soon as spring comes along, it's like nope, those go away because as soon as I land on that grass, and even even flight fest last year, uh, the first thing yeah. in the morning, it was so damp, and like you were just like ah uh, no foam plane, you know, like give me you know I'll fly my little uh, sky hunter because when that touched down, it's like. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a soaking football. Well, that's that's the other thing too. That you get you get the advantage of larger airplanes. There are lots of other different uh, construction techniques with foam that work quite well, where you don't have to worry about the moisture content. Um, I've seen many builds where people will build the the main structure from foam, and then they'll sheet it with with balsa wood. Mm, okay, and then they'll cover it in in a light. Uh, finish a, a fiberglass just for having a, a nicer surface to paint on and what's nice about that is number one you can leave it in the sun and the foam isn't going to outgas and wrinkle uh, we saw that we've seen that on um, uh, Carl Leidick's quarter scale P40 right I remember where, that right yeah remember seeing that so so if you if you do a skin even one sixteenth inch thick balsa sheeting will completely eliminate that. You don't have to worry about the heat from the sun. And you can build it just as light. Um, yes, you can use carbon fiber and Kevlar and all these other exotic materials, but, um, you know, all of the all of these things come down to you have chemical constraints yeah. of what heat is doing with the foam. I mean, even the monster foam, it's the same exact formula as the regular foam. It's just thicker. Yeah, And so... But whether you use it or not, it, it doesn't really matter because it's going to have the same chemical reaction. So, you know, that, that's when you have to start getting into these composite builds. And people are like, oh, composite, that's a fancy word. I'm like, well, no, it's just an accurate word that, that means putting a whole bunch of stuff together to, to accomplish something different. And that's more or less what I try to do. Um, you know, I... I, I use a lot of 3D printing in my builds now because mm. it's it's a it's a very specific tool to get a very specific result. Um, so I I like to to call my 3D printer an instrument of building rather yep. than a tool uh, because it. it is so much more refined than a hammer. So what parts? Uh, speaking of which, because I'm at a dilemma where I'm gonna I want to do my my servo mounts in the in the biplane, and I'm like, do I trust this part? Because I I have a bad history yeah. with 3D printed planes. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, so it's like, wow, this is gonna hold my servo. You know, do I say, okay, this is a great prototyping tool, and then I pass it off to another friend who can make me something that's not going to melt and buckle and everything? Or do I say, okay, let's go full 100% inlay and, you know, and make it as thick and as, as resilient as possible and go with it because the alternative is just to, you know, use a piece of wood? Well, and... And then there's the balance of the of the flying philosophy. You know, do you build your models to last, or do you build your models to fly? Yeah. And there's there's nothing wrong with trying to come up with a compromise for both, but at the same time, if you build a model as light as possible, it's going to fly better. It mm. just is. Yeah. And so you get into these materials that are 3D printed. Anytime you get something that is going to be longer lasting and super strong, it's not going to be very light. light. Yeah. 
and you that's the sacrifice that you make the balance exactly motor mount you get a nice metal motor mount it's going to be super strong and you're going to be able to hang the whole airplane off the prop but it's heavy but frankly when you do these electric conversions on old gas airplanes you want that weight up front anyway so it kind of makes sense it's like who cares so have you done any uh, combustion fuel aircraft, or are you primarily a battery guy? Yeah, it's too messy. It's too messy? Uh, uh, I, I like I like the reliability of electric. Uh, I like the cleanliness of electric. I like uh, the, the lack of paraphernalia. I don't have to bring, like, half my shop to go yes. fly. Yeah, uh, you know the the flight box that that I see the guys have at the field, or the you know the starter and the fuel and you know the, the chicken stick or, or the pumps and the the glow plugs and you know all the all the other stuff. I'm just like, I got a battery box, a transmitter box, a charger box, and any airplane I can imagine. Yeah. Those three boxes will fly any airplane that I have, and I don't have to worry about it. And at the end of the day, you can bring your airplane inside. You don't have to store it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm just I'm 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 I love the sound. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing like a a, a gas radial engine in a in a scale model. It every single time I experience one, it sends chills down my spine. But I can't afford it, and I don't want to clean it after I fly it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's. I look at the cost. I look at the operational cost. Nitro is crazy expensive for, for the fuel. It's, yeah, so it's, it's you know here even here it's like thirty four dollars a gallon at the yeah. local hobby store. It's crazy. Yeah. No, and then yeah, you can spin up. You can test your prop in your basement. You're you know you're not uh, EDFs. I tend to get in trouble when I fire up an EDF, but that's you know. <laughs> It's a really powerful hair dryer. Oh under. yeah, yeah. And when you forget it's eleven <laughs> o'clock at night and you got twin you know, the twin EDFs on a an A ten. Woo! I'm like, oh you shoot. <laughs> All right. So you're wearing a very special T shirt. Um, oh yeah. I actually know, am. Flight Fest uh, Flight Crew. And this is something that uh, I think was in the workings for a while. And it was it was it was interesting because um, you were quite adamant about flight line safety uh, at Flight Fest, which was a very serious thing. We had some we had some issues. And I always came back with, how can I combat this? I can't be everywhere at once. And, um, and, and to, to my absolute surprise, you and Carl stepped up after I kind of initiated the, the, the flight uh, crew program and, and transformed that flight line for me in, in a rather nice way. But talk us through some of the work that that required on your end. So, um, I, I, I guess I want to preface anything that I say with, um, the, the AMA, the Academy of Model Aeronautics has an impeccable safety record. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I think that the whole current drone UAS situation that we are encountering right now, 
is bringing that more to the forefront. And I think we should continue to uh, uh, beat that drum. Uh, and really what, what Carl and I did was look at the events that we've gone to that are the traditional AMA sanctioned events. You know, the, how do they operate? Uh, what can we adopt to Flight Fest, which is very, <laughs> different. very different? Um, special? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it special. I. I. If I were to pick one word to describe the flight line experience at uh, uh, at Flight Fest, I, I would say liberating. Yes. Um, very valid. Because very good. because you you have you have to you have to completely disregard any inhibition that you would ever have going up to that <laughs> flight line. You know, I, I've had so many people. How can you fly your models at Flight Fest? I'm like, they're just models. Yeah. If I if I brought it here, I'm gonna fly it, I'm, or at least try to fly it, because. The whole point of Flight Fest is to share the experience with everyone else. If you have any sort of inhibition, you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't no. have that model. Or you, you're you not ready for that experience. And so being able to adopt a, a, a position of safety on the flight line is very difficult when you have that kind of push to let everything go. You know, it, we're we're not trying to to say that we're free range parenting. You know, new new uh, model pilots here. Uh, what we're trying to do is is we're trying to shepherd new beginning pilots on how to operate safely yeah. in a, a very chaotic environment. Um, so really, what we we wanted to just establish number one communication. Um, and that was the biggest problem was th that we had in the past. You had all of these pilots spread over, you know, what is, what is Fury Field? Half a mile long? Seriously, yep. half yep. a mile long? Yeah. And there are literally pilots from one end to the next, and there are no groupings. There is no way that you can communicate with another person who's, you know, 50 feet away from you yep. if you've got you know, all of this space, number one, and then there's people in between and then there's their family right off the flight line having their own conversations and then there's the music and then, you know, oh, oh, because that happens constantly at Flight Fest. So we wanted to try to first establish communication and the, the real main thing that we had to do was we had to do pilot briefings. We had to do the pilot briefings. Just get everybody on the same page, make them aware and try to encourage people to be friends on the flight on the flight line. Try to group people on the flight line. That was the other things. Try to you know, have stations. You know, just you know the vague outline of a pilot station. It's worked. Okay, they don't stand at a stake. That's totally fine. Yeah. The idea is to suggest that if you go to an AMA sanctioned event. This will not be foreign to you, <laughs> and the and the procedure will be familiar, because a lot of people the only event that they ever go to is Flight Fest. Will say they get more advanced in the hobby. Say they do yeah. want to branch out and do something different. We want to be able to facilitate them for that next step, not just you know, 
being at Flight Fest. So then on top of that, we looked at, um, you know, the kind of procedural things. There's a lot of people that just don't know what is a pattern. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> you know, fly the pattern, fly the pattern. It, it's like I, I heard this story years ago, this, this mother telling her son, don't go down to the corner. It's dangerous. Don't go down to the corner. It's dangerous. Well, the boy gets outside and he's playing in the front yard and his ball rolls away and he goes after the ball and he goes down to the corner and the mother comes up screaming and says, I've told you so many times not to go down to the corner. Why did you do that? And the little boy asks at the mom, says, what's a corner? <laughs> nice analogy, actually. You have to remember that a lot of these terms that we take for granted are yeah. foreign to other people and you can't you can't just expect people to know them. You can't just say, well, you didn't take the time to learn this term. You should come up to my level. There's nothing wrong with being able to say, oh, this person's just never heard this term before. Well, let's teach them. Let's share. Yep. Let's have fun along the way. And then and he'll so tell his we... buddy. And then he'll tell exactly. his buddy. Exactly. So, so that's what we tried to do You know, between the pilot briefings and – um, having the people on the flight line say, you know, that was really great flight, but next time you're coming into land and you've got a dead battery, make sure you're yelling out emergency landing or landing left or right or whatever so that other people are aware that you're in a critical situation and that they understand. Um, so I, I, I think from those, those main points of communication, everything else was sort of peripheral. And uh, just made sense because they were easy to implement. But those kinds of main communication things at an event like Flight Fest were logistically the most difficult. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, and every year we've taken incremental steps. Every year, incremental, yeah. and it's gotten better and better. And, it, and it's, all right, we'll say it now. We, we, we've learned uh, this past week that unfortunately 2020 won't happen due to uh, due to everything that's going on with COVID-19, uh, which is really unfortunate because, you know, we made a lot of strides last year. And from my end of it, my tweaks are very minor, very minor. And it was just like, okay. You know, and we, we, we had more access to more property and everything. So it's really unfortunate, but I guess we'll just rest up and be ready for 21, I suppose. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, the, the lesson that I took away from, from 2019 was that the more people are enjoying themselves on the flight line, the better experience they're going to have doing the things that will make them safer on that flight line. I mean, honest to goodness, it is the most dangerous place to be <laughs> anywhere on the grounds. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, some of the, the best memories that you will ever have at a flight fest are in those same dangerous spaces. And that's why we want to try to, you know, have people there on the line say, okay, you're going to do this big sketchy build. I understand you're excited, but let's at least check to make sure your control surfaces are right. Let's at least do the bare basic <laughs> things to make sure that, you know, in the excitement of everything, you're going to somewhat be safe. Yeah. Um, just, you know, that kind of reality check where uh, a lot of AMA events, you're not allowed to do made flights. No. And, 
again, this is different. The whole point of Flight Fest is the build tents, and then you take the airplane onto the to the flight line, and you make a memory. And we want to continue to promote that, but at the same time, you have to be able to take a breath, roll your shoulders back, relax, and say, "Let's have a plan. Yeah, let's do this right, and make sure that everybody can enjoy this." And make sure everybody goes home with all their fingers and toes. Yep. And, you know, a good run out to the field with a fire extinguisher every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, for anybody who's never, well, I mean, anybody listening to this podcast probably knows what Flight Fest is. But exactly as Joshua has explained, it is... We're the old guys at the field, ironically enough. I think the average age last year was ungodly low, which is amazing. And the the idea of, you know, a kid running out of the thing, you know, hasn't run up his prop or anything inside the building or anything and, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, just gets out and th- throws the thing and goes flying is amazing. And every year we've been able to, you know, upgrade and upgrade. And as we get more people coming in and as, as we, we – um, I guess, you know, as the volunteers become more savvy, uh, we're able to recruit and figure out, you know, where, where I can position people and, you know, we can bring stuff um, to the front that we want to. I mean, we're always talking about, oh, we want to have this thing. I want to, you know, we want to have pilots that are there to help the young pilots go and everything, but can't facilitate that yet. But that's coming. That's right. coming. Every year, something like that is coming. Um, Foamboy RC says, how are you guys going to deal with the Flight Fest being canceled? <sighs> the reality is pretty simple. Uh, a lot of people are talking about, you know, stuff into later in the year. A lot of us are just going to, if we can fly at home, we'll fly at home. But we don't know yet. We don't know what June is going to bring. We don't know what July is going to bring, right? Um Every state, every province, every country is dealing with it on their own ways and everything. So it's, it's, um, I don't know yet. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even think I'm going to book my vacation time anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that, that's the situation I'm in. I, uh, so, so my company was purchased by another company. And so it, as part of the, the transition from one to the other, you know, I, I've got all of this leave that I have to use up before the end of this year. Mm. But I, ha- but I have to use the new company leave before I can use the old company leave. And I'm just like, I can't use leave for anything right now. Yeah, what's the point? What I'm yeah. I'm going to take leave and stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, exactly it. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll bank it up and everything. Um, who, who knows how it's all going to go? I mean, uh, yeah. I, I was asked and my end of it, I'm like, I don't even know if I'll be able to, you know, cross the border or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's not even a, uh, it's not even a, a concern right now. So the, the gist of that is we will do what we can when we can. I'm just, uh, I'm laughing here cause I'm sitting here. I wish I could put this on camera. I got a cat inside my 3d printer. It's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she, she's uh, she's. I'm actually checking for my cat. Sometimes he ventures down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my! So yeah, uh, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm earlier in the week I was pretty beat up. It was a pretty hard message. It was a message that I knew that was coming. It was a message that I knew had to come. Um, even if it had 
even if it was going to happen in July, there was some speculation that I wouldn't have been able to attend anyhow. So um, from from a border accessing the border standpoint uh, and or, um, you know, could I actually legitimately take off, you know, uh, and, and be offline for two weeks? Um because of the quarantine stuff afterwards or was i just in general going to risk my own health and safety um unknowing so yeah 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 now way, enough with way that too many variables on too many one. way way too many variables particularly for me and uh it's it's not fun being clumped into that high risk category either do i look like high risk yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate i am <laughs> um all right so enough of that downer um we're gonna get into the hot seat questions are you up to some hot seat questions man Sure. All right. Why so not? We'll do that. <laughs> we'll talk about some other stuff. If any of you guys, uh, thanks guys for the Flight Fest memories and laughing with everybody. Yeah. You too, Bob. I, I'm, yeah. Like I said earlier in the week, man, I was, I'm, 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 I'm pissed. I can't see my friends. And that's, uh, that is a legitimate statement. Uh, I'm just firing up my computer here with all the questions. All right. So we have about 40 plus questions. It's working the bell. Short, cute little answers. We can elaborate if we will. Um, but okay, good. So, uh, okay, Bill, I'll get to that answer, that question after. Bill's asking a good one too because it's another reason I'm bummed about no July. Okay, <laughs> question number 28 to start off with. Um, line of sight or FPV? Has, Duh. Jo- has Joshua Orchard <laughs> even, F- have you ever FPV'd? Have you ever flown FPV? Once. Yeah, and? I'm a line of sight pilot. <laughs> cool. I can respect that. I can respect that. I fly FPV very rarely. It's like the lowest because I'm always annoyed with having to ask someone to spot for me. But uh, I do enjoy I, it. it. What was the? I don't know why. I just I, I I just don't have any interest in it. It's not, I don't have anything against it. I think it's cool technology. It's just I don't have any interest. That's fair. Never have. That's fair. Um, what mode of pilot? One, two, three, four. Two. Two. Good stuff. So you can hand a remote off to someone, no problem. Nice. And I actually trim my airplanes, too. (laughs) What? What? What is that? Trimming an airplane. Um, Let's go. All right. Question number four. Tell us your best crash. Ooh, best crash. Um... All right, so my best crash was probably mm, 2012, maybe 2011. I can't remember. Long time ago, I had just gotten back into the hobby, and I had done my first scale build. Um, it's uh, an airplane from a company called Aerodrome RC. Uh, model is called an O1 Tumulisa. The O has an umlau. It's from Sweden. I love Swedish airplanes. Very interesting aviation history in Sweden. If you haven't read it up, it's it's great. Um, but yeah, crashed that airplane uh, at an event onto a paved runway. Oh yeah, uh, that'll do it. it. It was it was absolutely amazing. I remember it to this day because I remember the airplane coming down, and it looked like the balsa had just gone liquid. <laughs> just just. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It was it was it was amazing. I, a couple months later I had it rebuilt and I've flown it since and yeah, loved that airplane. 
love, nice. love, love that airplane. Nice. Um, actually, Bill Decker asked, what was the airplane I'd bring across? So I will... That's why I'm annoyed, because you, know, you go into the States, I get to bring it back across the border. There's no taxes, and there's no shipping. Um, I don't know if it would have been a third... Um, a third flex airplane there that was a possibility I don't know if I would have picked up the uh, the, the Bronco from from um, motion or if I was gonna go for a hangar 9 because that's something I've been talking about or itching about um, Hilda flyer asks what was the most wet the the wettest flight fest I want to say wettest. Ooh, 15. I, I want to say fifteen. That was that I was because because that was rain every single day. Yeah. Uh, with not so every single day that there were times when people weren't flying because of rain. <laughs> there have been like monsoon like rainstorms on an individual day mm-hmm. that made the event kind of frustrating because of mud. But I would say fifteen was definitely the wettest. Yeah, that was the was that that was the big year we pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed the cars out. Yeah, it's been, yeah, uh, and that well that was that was the year that I spent building the Sikorsky. So oh yeah, <laughs> I was right. I was dry the whole dry time. the whole time. Yeah, uh-huh. I had my corner of a built in. <laughs> Question thirty nine: Are you a bank and yank, or do you coordinate your turns? I coordinate. Of course, turns. you fly with rudder. Oh, you the yeah. planes you fly need it anyhow. It was, That's true. That's true. Um, well, and I try to fly them in a scale way, so I kind of require it to, in order to do that. In order to make it look like it's a scale model, you have to fly it like a real. Airplane. Well, and and the majority of your airplanes are probably uh, tail draggers, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, but you know, s- scale airplanes, you know, they they somewhat behave like uh, a scale manner. So you kind of have to use the rudder. Uh, mm-hmm. The Sikorsky requires it. Um, it's not going to do a bank and yank. It, it won't do it. Uh, too much drag on it. And then a number of other airplanes are the same way. The, the GB, yeah. uh, the GB, you have to fly with rudder. If you think you're going to fly a GB with bank and yank, you're kidding yourself. Cause uh, it'll just, just corkscrew itself, I guess. Well, I, the the tail wants to slide around because yeah. there's there's very little <laughs> vertical surface area, so you you have to stay on the rudder for a yeah. GB, and and that's that's why I say to everybody, you know, if you go down and look at the math and the aerodynamics of a GB, there's a reason why you crashed it because you didn't respect the aerodynamics of it. <laughs> uh, you just you have to fly those airplanes with rudder. You just well, have to. It's funny because I think I mentioned this in the last show. I would been uh, last fall. I'd been flying. I've been tearing it up with the jets, you know. So tricycle gear, tricycle uh-huh. gear, and then I break out the 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 Grand Tundra, and I ground loop the thing within the first thirty seconds. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh right, 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 right. I gotta control the rudder on this big thing because as soon as yeah. you power it up and the wing <laughs> catches it, and I'm like, oh wow, I you know just gotta remember to do all that stuff. So yeah, all right. Yeah, it's just it's just like riding a bike. It comes back. Oh yeah. I'm on 26, 22. <laughs> what was your first car? Oh, you don't even want to know. <laughs> Come on, know. go Okay, on. okay. So let's let's qualify the question. First car I drove or first car that I owned? Owned, owned. Yeah. Oh, Pontiac Grand Prix. Nice. Nothing ex- 
Nice. Nothing nice. special at all. Nice. It did have the 3.8 liter V6, so. Not yeah. bad. Not bad motor, yeah. All right. Um, what is your favorite RC, uh, favorite all-time RC experience? Something that you will always cherish. That one's really, really hard. Um, there's so many that I have for very, very, very different reasons. Um, um, pr probably um, one that I would definitely say is, is one for the record books is the very first flight test, Flight Fest. Mm, 14. Where we, yep. we, yeah, we did the giant FT flyer in the Fury <laughs> Hangar. <laughs> And then we, we maidened it at 2 o'clock in the morning. morning. And then we slept for, you know, like all of maybe four hours and got up and we were trying to find another motor because we had smoked the motor on the maiden flight. I, I mean, he's yeah. Yeah. such such an amazing thing to just like spur the moment, just dig and build something with a whole bunch of people and then you're laughing and having a good time. You're being silly cause you're tired and <laughs> you're hungry and I don't want to go to the bathroom cause I got to get this finished built. You know, this is our last day yep. before we have to leave this amazing event and then just share it with so many people was uh, a, an amazing experience to just share such a, a wonderful memory with so many wonderful people. So prefacing that, um, is your experience uh, within the flight test community is that is that is that something that's changed you? Um, I, I think the short answer is an obvious yes. Uh, just because uh, before before I had my my flight test friends, I really didn't have many close friends like at all. Uh, I had acquaintances. I had coworkers. Um, uh, I'm I'm a very unique individual, but I think the the community of flight test gathers a a group of people that are understanding and accepting of you who you are, uh, without any predisposition or or supposition. I I think that that is one of the amazing things about the community that when people outside come in or even just on look they they are struck in awe at how amazingly different and complicated we are but we love each other mm. no matter no matter what happens uh and i think that you can't help but be changed by this community once once you go in head first <laughs> and you fully commit you you're going to be fully committed. <laughs> oh, uh, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, and it's a it's a community that doesn't let you go. It's uh it's special that way. So cool. Yeah. All right, we'll ask a couple more questions here, and then we'll we'll jump into the uh, we'll jump into some of the new products, and uh, and then I think we will we'll have a really nice show. Uh, this was a good one for as a builder. Uh, belly lander or or landing gear. Uh, uh, is it a model that I care about? <laughs> oh, oh, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, I, the, I would have to say landing gear. 
just because to me that's part of the complication of of landing uh and taking <laughs> off you know is your, is your landing gear gonna hold well did you build it right you know that's sort of a test is, of me as a builder did i build it did i build the landing gear right um but you know there is something to be said about plopping down a belly lander and you're just like yep that was carrier deck that looks great <laughs> you know um and generally those kinds of airplanes i i mean i've got the durafly buffalo and i just don't care about that airplane and yeah. every time it lands just like it yeah. works it's on the ground yeah it's on the ground i didn't break the prop yep yep um, yep name someone who changed your view of the hobby Ooh, there's so many. Um, uh, former coworker of mine, uh, his name's John. Uh, respect his privacy, so I'm not going to give his last name. Um, but uh, John is the guy who really got me back into the hobby. And he is the guy who brilliantly lit up my brain with this idea of of composite building he was he was in the hobby and built sailplanes and he just explained to me about composite building and i couldn't get enough and so i just like profusely reading about composite building uh completely changed my outlook on building uh all my approaches it was just like yes Anything you can think of is worth trying at least once. Cool. So, John, thank you. Nice. Nicely put. All right, 43. I really like this question. If you had to fly the same plane for six months, what would you fly? Uh, plane in my hangar or not in my hangar? Doesn't have to be in your hangar. Ooh, not in my hangar. Uh, okay. Uh, that would be a Jerry Bates 100-inch wingspan SB2C Helldiver. Helldiver, nice, yeah. nice. A, a nice giant-scale dive bomber, traditionally built. It's a beautiful airplane. It's an oddball, great conversation, great technical, great history, just great plane. Yeah. Cool. Easily. And you get a thing for the uh, for the bombers as well, right? You've had a few. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, I, I really enjoy the history uh, about dive bombing and bombing in general. Elements uh, and uh, some really interesting history about it. Cool. All right, we're gonna jump into the um, we're gonna jump into some of the uh, new releases. I think there's only three on the books right now, so we'll flip over to the websites. Uh, there we go. All right. So this one popped up recently, and I admit I'm interested. It is the UMX from eFlight, the UMX Citation. So we're talking a little 3S, 2S or 3S, little UMX, twin motor, um, EDF. Uh, they claim it's their most powerful UMX EDF so far. Uh, what, with 3S800? So that's actually pretty cool because I've got a whole bunch of those. With a JSD connector, I'm like, oh, that would so be turned to an XT30 like right away, man. But... Uh, oh, no, this one's interesting. Okay, so 
so the fan size that's the thing that's interesting to me when was the last time you heard of a fan size of 30 millimeters 30 millimeters hmm hmm not very often not very often and it brings to mind uh Another great builder, uh, Keith Sparks, he's got a design for, I think it's a B-52? No. No. Maybe it's a buff? Okay. Oh, I can't. Anyway, he so he was looking around for eight 30-millimeter EDS, and the only ones he could find were these Hobby King ones. But you had to order them for like different warehouses because they didn't stock enough of them in the U.S. to to get eight of them, uh, and ended up like, oh my gosh, yeah. So thirty millimeter. That's, I think, if they're bringing that kind of fan with that kind of performance to the market, I yeah. think that's that's a that's a great parts airplane. <laughs> that's the way I'm looking at that right now. Well, that's a great parts airplane. <laughs> we uh. A couple of years ago when we had the guys, when the guys were up here flying with me, my buddy Dave Rayner bought the A-10. And that nose, yeah. just like the flight test guys, that nose lasted all of like 10 seconds before it was shattered. So uh-huh. I'm kind of curious to see how this airplane endures. Uh, like all their UMX aircraft, the the gear is removable. Um, but oh, it's yeah. got a light set too. Yeah, it's a cute little airplane. And those fan blades, man, they look... You can't tell me they don't look like a uh, um, a little uh, like your Inductrix. They really, to me, yeah. Oh, you're right. Uh, I mean, it is a six blade fan. but yeah. You're 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 very right. It's a brushless motor, right? But like, if it flies, and I mean, I watched the video and everything. I was like, geez, you know. So this is. I admit this thing is fully on my shelf only because I've got a bunch of those uh, flight test was selling those those three S eight hundreds and I use them on a bunch of my quads mm-hmm. and a bunch of my smaller airplanes. But totally put an XT thirty connector on there and uh, you know it's got their AS three X and I'm with you on the smaller airplanes on the UMXs. Love it, love it. I've learned. Yeah. To, I've learned to really enjoy it. Uh, was one hundred and seventy US? That's that's not bad at all. Um, and bad. if it handles, really it, it looks nice. It, it's a really striking, nice-looking airplane. So we'll see. Yeah, and I like how they, I like how they integrated the uh, winglets too. Uh, that's a nice touch because you don't often see a nice, smooth transition in winglet, especially like an ultra micro size. It's really, really nice touch. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, you can even see some of the photos. There's like some creasing and some spots here and there. Uh, this is probably one. Yeah. Of the, this is probably a plane that you transport in its box. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, probably. it's, it's probably a safe bet. Uh, my Tundra has got some, some dings and bents on it, but generally I don't even put it in the box anymore because that's the problem with the boxes and the UMXs. They take up so much space. Um, I yeah. was thinking about getting the, the, the from my great hobbies here in Ottawa, uh, the, the Waco, uh, just because you know, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I can't fly it, so eh. so the next one I eh. want to point out from Horizon actually, FMS is uh, I'm sorry, it's an EDF, <laughs> the Avanti version 370 mil. Um, so I'm I'll have to look in to see what they've done. It looks pretty good. Uh, it's the Avanti is it's just one of those shapes that's it's a performance jet, but it's engineered really well as far as a flying jet goes, because they it's a sports jet. 
and they've taken the time to actually make it work. Uh, and obviously V3, I want to see what it was. Uh, what did they put into it? V3, uh, nose to tail with no overlooked, uh, retaining the, the plug type wing harnesses, screwed together assembly, all-terrain tires, plastic and carbon fiber components. Um, yeah, it looks like a nice looking jet spec wise. What did it say for battery? So they've upgraded six. Well, yeah, obviously they've upgraded the ESC, which they've been doing. Uh, they now basically run the, the hobby wing 80 amp on across the board, which is a really nice, ED, um, uh, really nice ESC. Uh, they've upgraded the motor, uh, obviously, and it is a 12 blade 70 mil. So it has to make a beautiful sound. Uh, metal yeah, gears. the whoosh. Yes, yeah, and it takes battery. Will it tell me what it wants? Uh, I don't see what's battery specs. it wants. It doesn't say it under specs. Mm-hmm. All right, parts and accessory. Come on, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't say. Anyhow, it's too, I guess it's just too new, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not, they're not even recommending a size for you to buy. It's probably mm-hmm. a 5,000. It's probably a 6S 5,000. But either way, it looks neat. It's colorful, uh, decent price. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's, uh, you know, you can you can get a UMX or you can go and get a full size jet. So it's, um, and again, this is uh, this is not a buying and fly or anything like this. This is when you slap in your own receiver. I tend to run something I can run telemetry on it. And the other only other one uh, that I want to talk about is this interesting aircraft. From Flightline, the Bronco. Um, I'll probably try and get Elf on the uh, on the upcoming podcast to have a discussion with it. Um, I admit this one was in my shopping cart. This one was pretty serious. Uh, I'm a sucker for 4S twin props. What can I say? Uh, and it looks good. It's kind of a fun looking aircraft. You know, stubby wings and everything. I'm sure it transports pretty nice. The wings come off and everything. But uh, I think shipping for me was like 85 U.S. You guys in the U.S., you were so darn lucky. So <laughs> darn lucky. I was like, well, I'm not going to pay another 100 bucks just to have the thing shipped. It looks good. What is interesting is you look at the parts gear, and they've sourced, um, I think, the nose gear is off their Avanti and stuff like this. So they, they haven't gone and, like, you know, completely built from, from the ground up or anything. They looked at their materials and the gear they had in stock and they they incorporated it into the aircraft and it's just that plucky i love this aircraft i love the look of it the twin cockpit the plucky wings and everything you know it's just a fun 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 looking airplane but uh we'll have to see we'll have to see who gets them they're going to come out in june it's still on pre-order uh and 379 dollars which is in line with anything they've uh they've ever uh, posted so it's uh lee davis says it's not his kind of thing so it's uh and but bill deckard i knew he was pre-ordering one he told me he was going to be going after one um i think it's probably a pretty good aircraft for going around but i for me i've got my i've got my e-flight ec 1500 and I think it's going to fly exactly the same as this thing. And, you know, so it's, what do you want of a 4S twin? But it looks the it looks neat. It's got some pretty neat landing gear. I don't know how rugged those gear would be uh, based on some landing. But, I mean, without the ordnance on board, I'm sure you can grease the thing and come in really smooth. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's got a big Hershey bar wing. It's going to fly great just because you know that, that 
that motion is putting in great research into their flight characteristics. We know that from, from Alpha's conversations before. You know it's going to fly great. It looks great, too. Uh, it's not something I would personally own, but I can cert- if I were to see it at the field, I would appreciate it for sure. Nice. Nice. Uh, Lee says in his hangers, he wants an Arrows MiG-29. Uh, oh, yeah. I could yeah, I could see one of those. I'll fly one over the border, Bill, Bill Deckerson. Bill, <laughs> I, I would so appreciate that. Um, so those are the only ones. I, I haven't checked any of the other manufacturers or any other suppliers, really. Uh, it's kind of been a slow week. Um, I suspect you're going to see a lot of manufacturers. Um, I'm wondering if the UMX class... Uh, I, 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 it's call me prediction. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out. If this keeps going on the way we're going, um, I think you're gonna see a lot of smaller aircraft. You're gonna see a lot of the bigger aircraft. Wait, they're gonna come in, but they're not gonna they're not gonna go on sale because I think a lot of the manufacturers are going to wait this stuff out. Um, you're probably gonna see a whole slew of uh, of smaller airplanes, maybe, and then a ton of ground aircraft or ground vehicles. Sorry. So who knows, um, Joshua. Any last uh, points and comments? Anything last subject you want to bring up? Go build something. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what you're using, what whatever material. There is no correct answer. It's just, you know, um, don't be afraid to try stuff, um, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, pick your budget. Pick, pick your budget and live within yeah. that. And, and I think you can just have, uh, have all kinds of fun. Designing aircraft is hilariously entertaining for whatever reason um i remember some of my earlier builds <laughs> some of my earlier yeah. now it's like wow, <laughs> that worked that worked that worked so it's you yeah. know you figure it out Things- yeah and and that's 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 the best the best thing that you could pr- attitude that you could possibly tell anyone to you know don't be afraid to try something if it seems expensive find a cheaper way there's always a way to accomplish something that someone else has done in a, a more cost-effective way, and mm-hmm. that's what I have found. Yeah, um, you know, achieving the same results uh, at, at a lower cost—that's that's great. But share it with other people, get other people on board, because it's the only way that you're going to help other people. It's the only way that you're going to get other people to say, "Okay, well, really, we can do this less," and, and you know, it, it brings everything down to a more approachable price point. But um, I, I mean, I just like you're approaching cutting a, a battery hatch with a razor saw. Don't be afraid to take the first cut. Try something new. The worst that's going to happen is you're going to fail and you're going to learn something from yep. it. And it's wood. You can fix that easy enough. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yes, um, check out Joshua's Instagram feed, his YouTube channel. They are in the show notes. Uh, so be sure to check out some of his videos. He's uh, he's doing a real fantastic. He's doing a better job of doing videos than I am lately. But uh, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's having fun. He's having fun. It's good on you, man. It's good on you. So. Um, Yes, and uh, to to all the Patreons, thank you everybody for for your support. I owe a whack of you guys those those awesome stickers. Uh, we're working on that. I'll talk to uh, to uh, John again for the U.S. ones. My Canadian uh, uh, friends, I will do what I can. Again, I'm still out of stamps and need to get to the post office, uh, and we'll we'll start shipping some out. And same thing with the international people. I uh, you know so that is the end of our podcast. It's been really fun. Woo. 
Um, but uh, Joshua, thank you, sir. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being patient. Thanks for having you me. You know, we'll uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll keep talking. We'll get there. We'll keep flying on the, to have some fun with the flight simulator and everything. So absolutely. Have a have yourself absolutely. a fantastic evening. Thank you very much. See everybody later. Bye. Bye.